This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Baruchem Abba, welcome everyone, Shem Aleichem. Welcome to the Kailal Agra de Perka. This is our last year before Tisha B'Av. Haba Aleinu L'Tayva. If anybody would like to uh, get the Sefer, the Darkness and the Dawn, on the three weeks, the nine days, Holocaust Memorial, Tisha B'Av, it's available in Sfarim stores. You could get it at artscroll.com. I want to share with you an idea and a subject that is not only relevant to Tishabav, but really relevant to the Jewish people at large at this juncture in our history. And it's something that everybody should think about and take responsibility for. One of the great architects of Torah in our times, in the last era of Jewish history, Rav Yosef Shloimei Kahanemen, the Panovich Rav. Panovich Rav was a builder of Torah, was a dreamer, and really one of the great architects of Torah in the 20th century, in the 20th century, as the Nazis were primed to invade Palestine, 1942. They were primed to sweep through the country in a matter of days, and the Arabs, you should know, were awaiting the arrival of the Germans very anxiously. The Arabs were already broadcasting on the radio, Jews, we're going to slit your throats, we're going to slaughter your children, we're going to abuse your women. And Rav Kahaneman was laying the foundations of the Panovich Yeshiva. And they said, Rabbi, you're building a Yeshiva now? It's financial, it's institutional suicide. But the Panovich Sharav believed in the eternal endurance of the Torah. He said, no, now is the time. Now is, now he was a builder. He was a dreamer. By the way, when the Panovich Sharav visited America in 1947, he said there were Jews in Palestine who were determined to drive the British out of the country and were now imprisoned. But he said with great conviction, like as if with prophecy, that the, these few Jews will undoubtedly succeed. But the Panovich added that if he had a cadre of Jews who, who were equally determined to build a Torah state in the land of Israel, that would also come about. This is the way the Panovich thought. This is how he saw things. Rabbi Wine says the story, that when Panovich came to Miami in one of his fundraising stints, and of course Panovich was one of the uh, was a consummate fundraiser, he traveled the world at large to fundraise. In fact, the line goes, "How do you know there's no life on Mars? No life on Mars, because if there was, the Panovich would have fundraised there." Well, I can't hear everyone laughing on Zoom, but I hear behind the Zoom, I hear the laughter, even though you're all muted. Okay. So Rabbi Wine said that Rav Kahneman once asked him to uh, make a meeting of young couples because he wanted to address them. Um, Rabbi Wine said, you know, he didn't think the meeting would be successful because young couples don't have a lot of money to donate. They don't usually give a lot. And Rabbi the Panavitrov smiled. He said, no, you don't understand what I want. Just do what I tell you. So Rabbi Wine gathered about 20 couples. He hosts them. And uh, the Panovich Rav got up and he spoke very powerfully. This is the gist of what he said. He said there are one and a half million 
Jewish children were killed in the Holocaust. The Panovich said the souls of these children are floating above. They're searching for a body. Please give them bodies. Rabbi Wine said he was astounded by uh, the request and how the Panovich articulated it. And he said, but the next year a bumper crop of baby was born in his shul. That was a great man, the Panovich He saw that with 20 couples, you could rebuild the Jewish people. So let's expand on this concept just a little bit. Let's take it to the next level. Let's assume a boy and a girl marry. Maybe they have, let's assume a small family of two children. And let's assume each of their descendants also has a small family of two children. So in each generation, the subsequent number of descendants double. So in mathematics, it's known as geometric progression. So the couple has two children, four grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren, sixteen great-great-grandchildren. With each generation, the number, numbers double. After ten generations, the couple has 1,024 descendants. After 20 generations, there are 1,048,576 descendants. After 24 generations, a mere 600 years, there are 16 million, excuse me, 16 million 777,216 descendants. That's basically the current world Jewish population. Which means in 25 generations, from one shidduch that is made, the descendants will surpass and then double the current Jewish population. You hear this? To make one shidduch, in 25 generations, there will be more Jewish descendants than the current Jewish world population. So do we now understand what the Zayar teaches us in Bereshis? That making one zivug is literally like creating the entirety of the world. So that's what I want to speak about today. And I want to speak about in the context of one of the great personalities in Jewish history, Rabbeinu Gershain. Rabbeinu Gershaim Ma'ar Hagoyle is born in 960 in Metz. He passed away in Mainz in 1040. He's one of the first of the Chachmei Ashkenaz. And in his Torah Academy, he attracted Talmidim from many countries, including Provence, Spain. One of the most prestigious yeshivas, eclipsing even the ancient academies of Bavel, of Sura and Pompadisa. Rabbeinu Gershaim, he's the Rebbe of Rashi's Rebbe, Rabbeinu Yaakov ben Yaakar. Rabbeinu Gershaim corrected the Gemara from reliable ma- um, manuscripts. He clarified many passages that were obscure. Rashi had access to the Shas written in the handwriting of Rabbeinu Gershaim. Rabbeinu Gershaim authored the famous Slicha that we say in the Ilah, Zachar bris Abraham akedas Yitzchak v'hashev shavos ahalei Yaakov Rabbeinu Gershom achieved the title 
that no leader in Jewish people ever achieved. Some Tamil Chachamim are called Hakadosh, Rashi Hakadosh, Arshach Hakadosh, Arachayim Hakadosh. Some are even given the title Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rebbe of Yonasan, Ibishitz, the Rebbe of Shmelka of Nicholsburg. But Rabbeinu Gershom is given a unique title. He's called Rabbeinu Gershom, Rashi says in a tshuva, in Tshuva's Chachmet Satsvalot, here, page 11, Simon Chafalif. Rabbeinu Gershom, Zecher Tzadik V'Kadosh Savracha, Sheheyer Ene Goyla. He illuminated the eyes of the exile. Or, Toysus Menacha Samachem Edbez, Uvesefer Shekasav Rabbeinu Gershom, Ma'ar Ene Hagoyla. Why was Rabbeinu Gershom Zoycha to this unique title? Simple reason is, as we mentioned, that he's the leader, he's the founder of Chachmei Ashkenaz. He shifted the location of the Torah centers from Babel to Ashkenaz. He's the Rebbe of the Chachmei Ashkenaz. But there's certainly more to this unusual title. You see, Rabbeinu Gershon made many takonos. There are many enactments of Rabbeinu Gershon. And they were backed by Rabbeinu Gershon's personal cherem, his excommunication. In fact, there are over 90 decrees that are backed by what is known as cherem, Rabbeinu Gershaim. One cherem is uh, one cherem is uh, based on a very tragic family situation that was personal to Rabbeinu Gershaim. One of Rabbeinu Gershaim's two sons, some say his only son. By the way, Rabbeinu Gershaim's wife died tragically when he moved from Mainz, from Metz to Mainz in the year ten twelve. What happened was one of the Catholic priests in Mainz converted to Judaism, was burnt at the stake, and as a repercussion, the church of Metz demanded the forcible conversion of the Jewish community. Most Jews fled, many were trapped in the city, and they were compelled to convert, including Rabbeinu Gershom's son, who died having converted to Christianity without an opportunity to do tshuva loyaleinu. Look in the Mordechai in Ma'ir Katan, Simon Tav Tav Pevav, Hilchai Savela, Simon Tav Lamed, in the Arzarua, Rabbeinu Gershaim sat Shiva twice for his son. One week for the loss of his son's life, and one week for the loss of his neshama. By the way, Maram Merutemberg said Rabbeinu Gershaim was not obligated to do this, he only did it as an expression of his immense pain because his son did not have the opportunity to do tshuva. Now this gives us a little bit of a better understanding of the times that Rabbeinu Gershaim lived in. And Rabbeinu Gershaim made a takana that it was forbidden to shame those who denounced Judaism under duress and once they returned to the fold. It was a common Christian tactic to forcibly convert Jews by threatening them with death or expulsion. And entire communities, Germany and France, gave up their lives. Some individuals were not able to overcome. By the way, historically, there was always a rift between the laymen and the rabbanim. The laymen said that uh, they didn't want to countenance the returnees who left the fold. They felt betrayed. And they felt, look, we remained loyal, and we suffered for our loyalty, now we're going to accept you back. But the Rabbanon felt there was no alternative. 
we have to welcome these the Jews back with open arms. So the Takana Rabbeinu Gershom is not to humiliate the returnees to Judaism. Another Takana, enforced by Cherem Rabbeinu Gershom, was he forbid the reading of letters and messages of other people. Documents were sealed with the letters Beis Ches Dalad Reish Gimel, which stood, which stood for Becherem Drabenu Gershem. Because the survival of the network of Jewish merchants required confidential communication. By the way, today it's a federal crime to read someone else's mail. But the non-Jewish world would have to wait many, many hundreds of years until they understood and established the rights of privacy. By the way, of all the Takanos of Rabbeinu Gershon, the best known of his Takanos and his Haramim was the Cherem de Rabbeinu Gershon not to marry two wives. In Eben Ezer, Sif Yud, says the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbeinu Gershon, Hechrim al Hanoisei al Rabbeinu Gershon put a Cherem on someone who marries another wife. And then he made a Cherem, and it's brought in Eben Ezer, Simen Kofiyotesivav, that one cannot divorce their wife against their will. By the way, it's interesting, you know, the Ramad discusses whether women do Heseba the night of the Seder. So he brings uh, an opinion that only Chashiv women do Haseba. And then the Ramad says, nowadays, all of our women are considered Chashiv. So Reb Chaim Kenevsky once asked, when in history did all women become Chashiv? So Reb Chaim Kenevsky says, when Rabbeinu Gershon made a takana that you can't marry two wives, women were upgraded to the status that nowadays all women are considered chashuv, and therefore all women do haseba. Now what was the reason for these takanas of Rabbeinu Gershon not to marry two wives? So there was a practical level. There was social significance to the juncture of these decrees. The church had a very negative view of marriage. Celibacy was an objective in Christianity. Monogamous marriage was deemed a concession to the devil. And polygamy was considered outright immorality. So the decrees of Rabbeinu were suggested so that we don't appear less moral than the Gentiles. Now once polygamy was outlawed, divorce was expected to rise because you could only marry one wife. Now until then, one did not require consent to get divorced. The need to get consent would serve as a deterrent and to prevent unnecessary divorce. These are the practical reasons for the Cherem de Rabbeinu Gershon. However, there is also deep spiritual and mystical reason for the Cherem of Rabbeinu Gershon. And fasten your seatbelts. This approach is offered by the Oishtrovtser. Rabbi Meir Yechiel of Oishtroivs, who is a brilliant Hasidic Rav, who lived from 1852 to 1928. He spent the last 40 years of his life, Yoishev Batanis, only eating a small meal in the nighttime. By the way, I want to take a, make a small commercial break. Everyone is invited to our shul on Tishabav morning, 9 o'clock is Shachris, followed by Kinnis with explanation, elucidation, um, we have a lot of very exhilarating and powerful information based on uh, some of the recent visits to Spain and Portugal. Um, I think you'd find it very interesting. Everyone's cordially invited. 5.30 Peninsula, Kihilas Ferris Mordechai. So we're trying to explain the rationale, the spiritual rationale 
for the Chirim de Rabbeinu Gershaim. Let's introduce this with a very basic question. You know, the most anticipated and celebrated Shidduch in the history of the world was Yaakov Avinu and Rachel. Yaakov meets Rachel for the very first time and the Pasuk says, Vayishak Yaakov L'Rachel, Vayisa is Koyloi Vayivk. Yaakov sees Rachel and he cries. Why does he cry? Says Rashi, Lefishet Safa Baruach HaKodesh, because he sees with the Holy Spirit that he's not going to be buried with her. I mean, talk about getting ahead of yourself. That's what Yaakov is crying about. You know, first let them get married and let them celebrate their first anniversary before they're worried about being buried together. That's the first thing that Yaakov Avinu worries about, that he's crying, he's not even married to the lady and he's worried, he's scared, he's afraid, he's not going to be buried with her. So here's the idea. In the Holy Megillah, Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, Shlomo Amalek depicts the profound and passionate love between Knesset Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he depicts it in the allegory of the love of a chassan and a kala. We, Klal Yisrael, were the bride, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the groom. By the way, every Shabbos, we consummate this union. Friday night is the Kedushin, so we say, Ata Kiddashta. Shabbos morning is Simchas Chasan Mekala. We say, Yismach Moshe. Shabbos by Mincha is the Yichud. Ata Echad B'Shimcha Echad. That's why by Shal Shudas we don't make Kiddush. Friday night is Keneged Kedushin. There's a Kais of Erosin, so therefore we make Kiddush Friday night. There's a kais of Nasuin, therefore we make Kiddush Shabbos day. But there's no kais in the Yichad room, therefore there's no Kiddush by Shal Shudas. But our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that of a chasan and a kala. Marv here's the bombshell. Not only is our relationship with Hashem depicted with the allegory of a husband and a wife, but the relationship between a husband and a wife will reflect and affect the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael. So it's not just the relationship we have with Hashem is depicted as relationship of husband and wife, but the relationship we have with our spouse reflects and affects the relationship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Knesset Yisrael. When there is Ahava, V'yachva, V'shalom, V'reyos between husband and wife, when there's peace and harmony in the home, then the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael is strong. But when there's discord and bickering and fighting, then the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael is tenuous. By the way, there's an amazing thing an amazing chiddush offered by Reb Tzadik HaKoyen, that the Agada to Gemara that appears in Shas is not haphazard. Every Agada to Gemara is found in its precisely most appropriate place. That the Agada to Gemaras are fundamentally connected to the Masechta that they're found in. So in which Masechta do we have the Agada to about the Chorbin? Masechta Gitin. It's not just because the Churban Beis Hamikdash is like a get. Literally, a divorce causes a certain Churban in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And therefore, the Masechta that we find Gittin in, the Masechta of Gittin is the Masechta of Chorban Beis HaMikdash. And the Masechta of Yishev Yisrael is in Ksuba. That's the bond between, the bond of husband and wife, literally, connects Klal Yisrael to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Eretz Yisrael. Says the Oishtravtzer, that as the Golos is progressing, there's a danger that our actions might cause Hashem to reject us, to send us away, to divorce us, so to speak, against our will. If we're going to be permitted to divorce a wife against her will, then God might send the Jewish people away against their will. Therefore, Abenu Gershon comes along and he shined great light into the darkness of Klal Yisrael. And he ensured Hashem would never send us away. So he instituted that a Jewish man can never send away his wife against her will, so that God never sends us away against our will. So you say, shoo! Thank goodness for Rabbeinu Gersha. Now God is stuck with us. Now that we can't divorce our wife against her will, now God is stuck with us. Now we're still not out of the woods. Because although God can send us away against our will, but maybe He'll take another wife. Maybe He'll take another chosen people. Maybe God will say, you know, Jews and the North Koreans or the, or the Iranians. So again comes Rabbeinu Gershon and he says, not only can a man not divorce his wife against his will, but a man cannot take a second wife. So now, not only is God stuck with us, He's stuck only with us. Rabbeinu Gershon ensured the Rebbe will never send us away and never take another nation. So he's Rabbeinu Gershon, Ma'ar HaGoyla. He gives us light in the Golos. Now, listen to this. I was just in uh, Toledo. In Toledo, we don't have anymore the gravestone of the Rush. Rabbeinu Asher. Rabbeinu Asher originally was from Germany, but he had to run away to Toledo. But on, the, on his gravestone, we do know what it said. It said on his and his wife's gravestone, Hane'ehavim b'chayehem huvemoisam lo'inifradu. That when a husband and wife live together in peace, in a happy and successful marriage, and then they're buried together, that reflects the eternal, immutable relationship between Knesset Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if they will not be buried together, then that sort of reflects that God's relationship with, with Klal Yisrael is somewhat is not immutable. And so when Yaakov sees Rachel, and he knows that their relationship will reflect the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Knesset Yisrael, and then he foresees that he won't be buried next to Rachel, that means one day, the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Klai will be shaken to the core. There'll be Chorben Beis HaMikdash. When Yaakov sees he won't be buried with Rachel, he sees that there will be a lack of eternity in the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Knesset Yisrael, he sees Chorben Beis HaMikdash. That's why he cried. Now watch this. I want to share with you an enigmatic Gemara. The Gemara says, each of the Avais names the base HaMikdash. They give it a different name. Avraham calls it Har. 
אשר יאמר היום בהר השם יראה. יצחק כל זה צדה, ויצא יצחק לשוח בסדה. By the way, my, uh, friends of mine, Mishpachas Fuchs once uh, shared with me that if the base of English is called the Sada, then God is required to give Peah. And the Peah, Ephraim, is behind you. Look in Ephraim's picture. It's the Kaisal Hamaravi that can never be destroyed. The reason why the Kaisal can never be destroyed, the Sifrei Kabbalah say, is because since, this actually I think comes from Rav Herschel of Liska, since Yitzchak called the Beis HaMikdash Shasadeh, so God has to leave Peah, the Peah is the Kaisal HaMaravi, that Hashem always leaves for us. Now by the way, I'm going to digress for a moment. If Yitzchak calls it a Sada, you know, uh, we live in an age of skulais. We find throughout Chazal skulais for many different things, for Parnasa, for Afur Shalema, for Kapara Savoynais, for Bonim. What about a skula for a Shidduch? There's actually one segula that we can identify for a Shidduch that could be found in the Chumash, in Sefer Bereshis. The Gemara says in Brachas Vav Amabez, a person should always be careful in the Mincha prayer. Elio was answered only in Mincha. The Gemara is telling us there's a special potency in the Tefillah Mincha. By the way, the Kliyakar explains. He says, Avraham was Masakin Shachris. What was Avraham Masakin Shachris for? When, when did he enact Shachris? When he davened for the city of Sidoim. But we don't really find that Avraham Avinu was answered. It doesn't even seem like he was answered in the affirmative, let alone answered at all. When Yaakov Davin Mariv, he Davin to be saved from Esav and Lavan, which he was, but we don't find an immediate response. But when Yitzchak enacted Mincha, it says, Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, says the Kliyakar, Eliezer had been dispatched to find a Shidduch for Yitzchak. So in all probability, Yitzchak was davening for Eliezer to be successful in his mission to find him a Shidduch. He's davening to find a Shidduch. And just as he finishes davening, He finishes davening and all of a sudden the camels are coming. So during his tefillah, his eyes were down. He completes the tefillah, he lifts his eyes, and behold, the Yibar Hashem answered his tefillah. The camels were bringing his wife. So we see in the Chumash, the special efficacy of, of Mincha. So therefore of all tefillahs, the most effective tefillah is Mincha. But Rav Rafal Memo in his Sefer Shavayi V'Achlama says, yeah, we see the efficacy of Mincha, but we specifically see its potency regarding finding a Shidduch. So if somebody needs a Zivug, it's worthwhile to place extra emphasis on having Kavan for Mincha, and then Bezus Hashem, Hashem should answer our Tfilois, Barachmil Varatzain, and we finish the Shemayin Esrei, and we say, Oysa Shalom, and the camels are coming already with the Zivog. By the way, once we're on the topic, one of the great Italian Mikubalim, the Ramami Pano, in Maimer Chikar Hadin Chilak Dalit Pergizan, he says, there's a particular chapter to recite that is effective in finding a Shidduch, Per Kuf Chaf Aleph, 
Sher Lamalois, Esa Enai Al Hurim, Meyayin Yavoy Ezri, someone is looking for an Azer Kenegdai. You say Kufchaf Aleph, Meyayin Yavoy Ezri. You should say it at the end of every Shemana Esrei before you take your three steps back. Um, and it's a school of Shaduchim. So again, Avraham calls it Har. Yitzchak calls it Sada. Yaakov calls it Bayis. Vayikra Shem HaMakim Hu Beiskel. So what is the meaning that Avraham calls it Har, Yitzchak calls it Sada, and Yaakov calls it Bayis? One more question. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu davened incessantly to be able to enter Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Chazal say davened 515 tefillahs. Vo'es Chanan, Kaminian Vo'es Chanan. Why 515? It seems like such a random number. Where did Moshe get the number 515 from? And then the Rav Shalom says to Moshe, Moshe, Rav Lach, don't say one more tefillah. If you say one more tefillah, that will be the tipping point. I'm going to have to listen to you, so don't say one more tefillah. What would it be about the 516th tefillah? That that would be the tipping point. So I want to share with you an electrifying conversation that took place. I've said this over a number of times over the years. Between two G'dayli Yisrael from two different walks of life. Rebbe Hanan Wasserman and his great disciple, the Chafetz Chaim. Excuse me, Rebbe Hanan Wasserman, the great disciple, the Chafetz Chaim. And the other great Gadol was Rav Aaron of Bells, the, the Belzer Rebbe. And they're discussing the Beis Hamikdash, and they're discussing the Beis Hamikdash Shomala, and the, the Belzer Rebbe shared the following Kabbalistic source, who built the Beis Hamikdash Shomala? Says the, um, the Belzer Rebbe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his Machaneh built the first wall, Avraham built the second wall, Yitzchak built the third wall. Yaakov built the fourth wall. <laughs> and who built the roof? Moshe built the roof. And the Belzareva explained. God built the first wall with his machana. Machana is Gematria 103. Avraham then had to come and build the second wall and attach it to the first wall. So Avraham needed 206. So he called it Har. Har is 205, in Ma'koyla 206. So the first wall was Machana 103, God. Second wall is Avraham, Har 205, in Ma'koyla 206. Yitzchak needs to attach three walls. He builds the third wall, attaches it to the first two. He calls it Sadeh, Machana times three. 309, Sadeh 309. Yaakov needs to build the fourth wall. So that's going to be 412, Bias 412. Moshe Rabbeinu, he has a hard job. He has to build the roof and attach five structures. So 412 plus 103 is going to be 515. That is why Moshe Rabbeinu Davin's Kaminian Vaes Chanan. Now we know the significance of Vaes Chanan. By the way, this answers a very difficult question. Chazal teach us in Devarim Rabbah that Moshe Rabbeinu Davin Vaes Chanan El Hashem Boisahi what does Lamar mean? Amar Rabbi Zarya, Lamar Ledoiros, Sheyu Mespalim Beisara. That we learn out from here, from Moshe Rabbeinu, that whenever someone is in a, a time of tsara, you should daven. Now,
this is a source that you should daven be'ezitzara? I tell you friends, this is the, seems to be the worst possible source that someone be'ezitzara should daven. We're going to learn out from Moshe Rabbeinu davening to go into Eretz Yisrael. The man davened and davened and davened and davened and davened and Hashem told him, no. This, my friends, seems to be the very worst source you could possibly conjure up that from which we shall learn out, you should daven be'ezitzara. Learn from anyone else, but not from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was told, no, 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 no. Not only no, I don't want to hear another word. But in light of what we learned, Moshe Rabbeinu was indeed answered. Moshe Dabin 515 tefillahs to lock together the four walls of the Beis HaMikdash, the Machana, the Har, the Sada, the Bayis, and then he locks it together with the roof. So Moshe Rabbeinu built the roof of the Beis HaMikdash Shomayla, the Shvilei Pinchas teaches. And not only that, if he would have offered one more tefillah, he would have been Zoycha, that the Beis HaMikdash Shomala would have descended and fit into the Beis HaMikdash Shomata like a soul fits into a body. But comes the Arizal, and the Arizal says, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was told not to say the, four, the 516th tefillah, we have the audacity to say the, the 516th tefillah. What is the 516th tefillah? Yiskadel v'yiskadesh shemei rabah. Yud Vav Shin Reish 516 Now we don't say it outright We say it in Rashi Tevois We say it in Aramaic And we say Ribanisham May your great and glorious name Be magnified That is the tefillah for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash Yiskadel v'yiskadesh Shemei Rabbah We don't have the audacity to ask for it explicitly We don't have the chutzpah We, we allude to the tefillah 516 so Hashem and his Machana built the first wall. Avraham Har builds the second wall. Yitzchak Sada builds the third wall. Yaakov Bayis builds the fourth wall. Moshe Rabbeinu builds the roof. And I heard this, this great revelation of the Belzareba, and I felt we're still missing one part. Because don't you need a floor? I mean, would your wife let you get away? with beautiful walls and a nice ceiling and a dirt floor? I don't think so. Who builds the floor of the Beis HaMikdash? But let's do the math. If one wall is 103 and two are 206 and three are 309 and four is 412 and the roof is 515, the roof must, um, the floor must be 618. What's 618? Ish! And Isha are 618. Ima Koila. Ish is 311. Isha is 306. Ima Koila is 618. The husband and wife. The Shalom, the harmony between husband and wife, build the floor of the Beis HaMikdash. What does it say in Shir Hashirim? Toichai, Ratsuf Ahava. Ratsuf, the Ritzpah. The floor is love. This is the final ingredient to build the Beis HaMikdash Shomala. Ish v'isha. Shiduchim. Shiduchim. Is there any wonder that in response to Tishabav, which is the national day of mourning of, for the temple, immediately after that we have Tuba'av, 
which is a day designated to make Shaduchim. I mean, talk about incongruous activity. We're just sitting on the floor, wallowing, languishing, mourning a temple, and then we, then we have boys watching uh, girls dancing to pick out a Shidduch. What does that got to do with uh, rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash? The answer is, the response to Chorben Beis HaMikdash is we need to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. And what we're missing is, we're missing the Ritzvah. And the Ritzvah is Toichai Ratzaf Ahava. And therefore, you know, who are we to understand the secrets of the universe? But if there's a quote-unquote Shidduch crisis today, you bet there's a Shidduch crisis. There's a very severe Shidduch crisis. And that is the most important Shidduch in the world, is the Shidduch between the Almighty and Knesset Yisrael. And that is a Shidduch that is strained. And it needs a Shadchan. It needs someone to consummate it. It needs someone to bring us together again. And if the relationship between husband and wife reflects the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael, And so then what can we do to somehow consummate the Shidduch between the Almighty and Klal Yisrael that we're waiting 3,300 years to, to seal the deal? So we need a Ma'ar HaGoyla. We need someone to be a light unto the exile. Because if our relationships affect, uh, affect the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Klal Yisrael, so if somebody is involved in making Shidduchim, and being oisek and bringing shaduchim to fruition, it's in a way, I can't imagine a more direct way of bringing the ultimate shidduch to fruition. The union of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Knesset Yisrael. That is why Chazal say, Kal HaMesameach Chasan Vekala Ki'ilubana Achas Mecharvois Yerushalayim. Anyone who causes joy to a chasan and kala, it's like he built one of the ruins of Yushalayim. So anything somebody could do to bring together one chasan v'kala, as we mentioned, after ten generations, a thousand descendants. After twenty-four generations, after twenty generations, a million descendants. After twenty-four generations, the it will be equal to the number of Jews in the world today. And after 25 generations, if all the couple has is two children, and they double, and double in each generation, in 25 generations, it will be more Jews in the world, double than that the current Jewish population today. So these are all uh, timely themes and ideas that we should think about heading into Tisha B'Av that Yaakov Avinu sees Rachel for the first time, and he sees they would not be together in Misa, that represents Chorben Beis HaMikdash. Binyan Beis HaMikdash is the harmony between husband and wife, and to be Mezaveg Zivugim, which is a Tikkun that we endeavor on Tuba'av. So, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, give us all the Zuchus that... We should all be zoicha to see uh, Hatzlacha and this Indian for all of Klal Yisrael. 
and we should be zoicha to the ultimate shidduch of Mehira Hashem Aleikeinu Yishama Ba'arei Yehuda Vachutzos Yishalayim Kal Sasayin Vakal Simcha Kal Chasin Vakal Kala and that will be when Tzioin is Mesameach Bevaneha Vibiyaskel Tzedek Meher Vyameinu Amen Thanks everybody for joining. Again, I want to invite everybody to Tisha B'Av morning, 5.30 Peninsula Boulevard. Chakras is 9 o'clock. We start Kinnis about 9.45. Have an easy fast, everyone. Call Tov. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Call Tov. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.